Hi, I'm Gianna Volpe, and thank you for listening to The Heart of the East End on WLIWFM, the show where we get to the heart of any matter at hand with folks from all walks of life on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. We stream online at WLIW.org radio and welcome your comments, questions, and collaborations of all kinds on The Heart of the East End. Live in the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, I'm Gianna Volpe with local news on Long Island's only NPR radio station. As Long Island copes with a drought watch in the Suffolk County, Water Authority prepares to expand its water emergency for three East End towns. Experts warn it's largely a coin flip whether August will bring a uh, substantial increase in rain to the region. Robert Brodsky and Nicholas Spangler report on Newsday.com that while no mandatory restrictions are yet in place, local water providers are urging residents to practice conservation during the unusually hot summer, reducing or limiting their irrigation to ensure that enough water is available for essential services, such as firefighting. Pat Halpin, chairman of Suffolk's Water Authority, said the situation is particularly Dyer right here in Southampton Village, where one critical water tank has been on the brink of going dry during the midnight to 7 a.m. period when most homeowners water their lawns. Quote, the situation is really much worse than people realize, said Halpin, a former Suffolk County executive. God forbid there is a serious fire. People could die because there's a high probability there'll be no water pressure and therefore no water for the firefighters to fight the fire. 22 New York counties, including Nassau and Suffolk, currently under a state-issued drought watch, are not alone. Nearly half of the country is currently facing even more serious drought conditions, according to the federally-run National Integrated Drought Information System. The U.S. Drought Monitor has declared an abnormally dry to moderate drought across all Long Island, New York City, most of the lower Hudson River Valley, and northeast New Jersey. A drought watch, the lowest of the four levels of state drought advisories, followed by a warning emergency and disaster, is issued based on precipitation, stream flow, and reservoir, lake, and groundwater levels across the state. Long Island was last in drought watch from July 2020 to September 2021. The Suffolk County Water Authority will hold a news conference with local first responders asking residents of Southampton, East Hampton, and Southhold Towns home to the county's largest water users, to no longer water their lawns between midnight and 7 a.m. when the systems are stressed and elevated water storage tanks are working to full capacity. East End residents are also asked to not water their lawns more than every other day and eliminate non-essential water use. Most homeowners water their lawns during overnight and early morning hours, leaving little water available for firefighting and other emergency services such as hospitals, according to Jeffrey Sabo, chief executive of the Water Authority, which has 1.2 million customers. Quote, we'll have SCWA employees out in the field reading meters to ensure that people are complying. We want to stress the significance of it. End quote. Uh, Robert Brodsky and Nicholas Spangler also report that for now, the irrigation recommendation is not mandatory. The Water Authority has the ability to impose $250 fines per violation. 
though authorities concede the amount is unlikely to curtail the behavior of multimillionaire East End homeowners. We did mention the other morning how uh, two Meadow Lane uh, residents use 16 and 9 million gallons respectively when most use uh, numbers closer to the 100,000 mark. Uh, Pat Halpin, the chairman of SCWA, says, I have to believe people will do the right thing. He urges homeowners to monitor the water use of their neighbors and report violations to the Water Authority. They'll do the right thing if they understand what's at stake, which is health and safety. In health news, uh, speaking of which, and I cannot believe I'm actually reading this, New York state health officials have confirmed a case of polio in Rockland County and urged people on Long Island and statewide, especially children, to get vaccinated against the potentially devastating disease. In a statement yesterday, the New York State Department of Health said it detected the case in June. Bart Jones reports on Newsday.com that polio can cause paralysis or death, and there is no cure. Before a vaccine was developed in 1955 by Dr. Jonas Salk, Thousands of people were stricken by the highly contagious virus each year, including President Franklin Roosevelt, who used a wheelchair. The virus was eradicated by the 1960s. Quote, polio is a dangerous disease with potentially devastating consequences. That's State Health Commissioner Dr. Mary T. Bassett, who said in a statement in the United States, we're so fortunate to have available the crucial protection offered through polio vaccination, which has safeguarded our country and New Yorkers for over 60 years. Considering how quickly polio can spread, Bassett said, quote, now is the time for every adult, parent and guardian to get themselves and their children vaccinated as soon as possible, end quote. On Long Island, substantial numbers of young children are not fully vaccinated against polio, according to state data in Suffolk County, 79.27 percent of two-year-olds were fully vaccinated against polio as of July 1st. Dr. Gregson Piggott, the uh, Piggott, excuse me, the Suffolk County Health Commissioner said in a statement, polio is a preventable disease and I encourage all residents to ensure they and their loved ones are up to date on their vaccines. The health department offers the polio vaccine at our regular scheduled IAP, which is the Immunization Action Program Clinics. Finally, a new Siena College poll shows Democratic Governor uh, Kathy Hochul with a 14-point lead over Republican nominee Representative Lee Zeldin ahead of the November 8 election. Quote, Hochul dominates in New York City, leading by nearly 50 points, while Zeldin has slim three-point leads both upstate and in the downstate suburbs, pollster Stephen Greenberg said. Political experts say a pathway to victory for Zeldin requires winning at least 30 percent of the vote in Democratic Uh, dominated New York City while winning big in the surrounding suburbs and upstate. Zach Williams reports in the New York Post that the incumbent governor is up in every demographic category based on race, age, and income in the survey of 806 likely voters conducted July 4th to July 28th. Women are favoring Hochul by a whopping 26 points, while Hochul and Zeldin have 46 percent support each among men. The results of the poll are similar to a separate survey released this morning by Emerson College polling, which showed Hochul with a 16-point edge over Zeldin, with similar margins separating the candidates in New York City and other regions of the state. 
Reading the weather in Montauk in honor of our first guest, Kylie Ogburn. Looking like patchy fog today before 10 a.m. Otherwise, partly sunny with a high near 83 degrees. South wind 6 to 9 miles per hour tonight. Isolated showers and thunderstorms before 10. Partly cloudy with a low around 70 degrees. Southwest wind 5 to 7 miles per hour becoming northwest after midnight. Right now it's 74 degrees. Playing Montauk music to get us started this morning. Rufus Wainwright, Matt Suchic, Mondo Cosmo, and the Montauk Project ahead of Joe D'Elia and the Thieves. I'm Gianna Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. You're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
Getting excited for our first guest, um, Kylie Ogburn, who is the first Montauk Chamber of Commerce and Visitors Center artist in residence who has painted the MTK sign, welcoming residents and visitors to the town center. Very excited to have her on with us in about 10 minutes here. Uh, Matt Suchich, Montauk, ahead of Mondo Cosmos Kicks, Positively Montauk from the new medicine record, uh, the Montauk Project's uh, second to most recent single, uh, Bombshell, on deck, and then Joe D'Elia and Thieves Classic under the Montauk Moon after that. I'm Gianna Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. You're listening to the Heart of the East End, the morning and midnight program, uh, recorded live in the WLIWFM studio Monday through Friday, 9 to 11. Uh, replay at midnight, and you can find us on the 88.3 section of your FM dial throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in central and western Suffolk, but streaming online to wherever you are at WLIW.org slash radio. If you miss the show and the replay, you can always find your favorite archived uh, edition of The Heart on the Heart of the East End program page on WLIWFM. Don't forget to drop the station and the show a like wherever you are on the socials. Uh, but do stay with us. We are commercial free and we are awesome. As are you, the listener of Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM. I don't want to go to sleep. I don't want to be awake. Don't want to go someplace that I cannot escape. I don't want to be sideways. I don't want to be straight. I don't want to go right now. I do not want to wait. So give me tomorrow, and I'll miss yesterday, but I won't pretend like I know it all today. Well, I know what's right, and I know what ain't. It's hard to feel united in this here state. Yeah, it's so hard in this here state. So go on. Buy my work on the worth of the frame. It used to be 
Blow Rock and Tracks up next. Kicks Positively Montauk from Mondo Cosmo and the Montauk Project Bombshell. Kylie Ogburn joining us for the Hot Studio segment. Underwritten by Peconic Landing. On WLI WFM.
Mondo Cosmo's positively Montauk track kicks here on the heart of the East End, and it is the bottom of the 9 o'clock hour, just after midnight, if you're listening to the replay on Tuesday, which means it's time for our Art Talk, or Hot Studio, as it were, uh, underwritten by Peconic Landing. It's the summer of Kylie. Kylie. Kylie Ogburn is this year's artist-in-residence for the Montauk Chamber of Commerce and Visitor Center. Uh, they have decided to give local artists uh, the chance to decorate the MTK sign, uh, and we are very excited with your choice, Kylie. Uh, a little homage to surfing culture and the Shadmore Cliffs. Tell us everything about your design, how you, how you uh, made it, and um, what it looks like. Hi. Um, yeah, so it's a little above and below ocean scene. Um, so you have a school of fish um, at the bottom to kind of uh, pay homage to, like the fishing culture here and how much that industry um, impacts um, the economy and everything. And then you have the surfer um, to kind of like acknowledge the, like the surfing culture here. And then the Shadmore Cliffs. Um, and it's kind of a little scene of a little bit of little pieces of Montauk um, that make it so special. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. So, so you got to tell us about growing up. You grew up in Montauk, I'm guessing. Tell us about uh, your connection uh, to Montauk and uh, also yeah. your art. Yeah. So um, I actually grew up in North Carolina. Ah. Um, this is my, Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is my first summer out in Montauk. Um, I met a bunch of people down in, I was in Puerto Rico visiting my cousin this winter, and a bunch of people um, from here obviously go down there, and they convinced me to come up for the summer. So, um, here I am. Well, well welcome. <laughs> welcome, and thank you. Thank and how you. And how perfect your design really ties together uh, three iconic reasons to love uh, Montauk, the cliffs, the surfing culture, and mm-hmm. the fishing industry, uh, which has carried the region on its back for for very, very, very long time. So can you talk a little bit right. about coming here, uh, what it was like for you, especially as someone who grew up in the Carolinas? Yeah, so um, it was really cool. I wasn't sure what to expect at all. Um, and it definitely was different than what I was imagining, um, just because, like, it doesn't have that, like, Hampton V, what I imagined would be, like, a Hampton side. Sure doesn't. Um, it's definitely, like, a little more down-to-earth and a little, um, I don't know what the right word would be, but... Un- Unhamptons. Yeah, yeah, it's very <laughs> quaint and sweet and, um, 
yeah, there's just, and those were things that I noticed, like the, the part, like everything in Montauk means so much to everyone. Like the fishing means so much to everyone. The surfing means so much to everyone. The cliffs mean so much to everyone. And, um, it's cool to see like all those little pieces that like everyone kind of, even if they don't participate in them, um, they like are a part of Montauk to everyone, you know? Right. It's, it's cool. The thing I love most about Montauk is the place is a part of the people and the people are a part of the place. And it's one of those, yeah. like, you can take, you can take the person out of, out of Montauk, but you can't take Montauk out of the person. Right, right, exactly. And you can, you feel that when you come here. So sure. Can you share some of the people that you've met so far, uh, some of the places that you've gone uh, that really sort of represent what the what Montauk is to uh, to you and to the folks who live there? Oh my gosh, uh, I could sit here forever and talk about everyone that I've met here because um, <laughs> everyone's so kind and so special. Um, I work for uh, the Daunt. Uh, Leo and Jim and uh, Zoe and Mary and they're all so sweet and they've um, really given me a lot of opportunities and then just I mean everyone here all the people that come into the places I work um, all like the patrons they're all just like they treat you like family Um, and everyone that I work with is amazing Um, it's just been such a cool experience. I like have gotten so close to so many people in such a short period of time. Um, so it's really special. Have you gotten, have you gotten out on the water yet? Um, I tried a few times. Um, <laughs> the surfing here is really different than the surfing in Puerto Rico. So I have not quite, uh, gotten the knack, knack of it here, but, uh, I've gone out a couple times. <laughs> it's, you know, just try, try again. So what is it like as an artist? I know that yeah. they unveiled uh, the MTK sign with your design, what, on Friday uh, this past weekend? Can you talk a little bit about seeing your work and a little bit about your your background your, in, in art uh, so I can get a sense of what this was like for you? Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually still working on it. Got a little. Delayed. Oh, okay. Um, my es- my estimation for how long it would take is a little off, um, but I should be finished this Wednesday. Um, but it's been really fun. It's been cool, um, and people will poke their head and like talk to me while I'm working, and it's nice to have like encouraged as I go. Um, but I uh, have always been um, creative and artistic. Uh, I grew up in a really artistic family. Um, my mom was always doing like DIY projects around the house and, um, she had like a little business painting game boards for people and like all this stuff. Um, so I've always been kind of in that creative environment. And then in college, I, uh, double majored in business and then also design. So oh, I had, smart um, girl. Yeah. So <laughs> smart. Um, but I had a bunch of like art classes and art history classes and, um, I just really love um, being creative and art and everything. So. Well, we can't wait. We can't wait to see the new design. It's not quite. So they had originally planned to unveil it on Friday the 29th. But uh, sounds like Kylie's going to get done uh, midweek this week. Uh, just a reminder to folks that when you snap a picture, if you post it, uh, use the hashtag. This is Montauk. 
uh, for a chance to be featured on the Destination's social media platform. Uh, Very excited for you and uh, especially spending the summer out in Montauk. Very cool stuff. Before I let you go, is there anything that we didn't say that you want to make sure folks know, including your uh, social media handle or where folks can find more of your work? Oh, wait. They can find it at the newly reopened Bird on the Roof Cafe, right? Yes, yes. Um, The leaf murals on the walls um, I did a few months ago. Um, So, yeah, and definitely check out Bird on the Roof. The food's amazing there. and yeah, I not I recently am I'm working on creating a uh, Instagram for my work, so it's still like in the works. But it's mm-hmm. at KylieOgburn.design. Um, and yeah, so. well, we we can't That's thank you enough. Uh, did, have you have you gotten yeah, to know? Have you gotten to know uh, the Montauk Project uh, band yet? Quite yet. No, I haven't. Well, then you are about to be introduced. Uh, This is one of their new singles, Bombshell, uh, by the Montauk Project. I'm Gianna Volpe. That's Kylie Ogburn. Check out her work on the MTK sign. And don't forget, if you post it up, hashtag this is Montauk. Uh, This was the Art Talk uh, Hot Studio, underwritten by Peconic Landing. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
Montauk lovers, we've got more Montauk stuff coming up at the bottom of the next hour when Florence Fabricant herself joins us for the Tasty Tuesday segment. But between now and then, one more Montauk track. A northeast wind comes roaring. Joe D'Elia, the man. He's got something coming up. Let me look it up. They boarded up the storefront and turned out all the light. Ah, Montauk Moons and Memories. So right A conversation with Joe. Next Friday, August 12th. At the Montauk Library. Registration is required. Call 631 Sits on a bench looking vacant. He plays his ukulele well. And then some wealthy social life comes by. And it's very hard to tell if she's really from old money or if her pedigree is just a game she plays for kicks to get her drinks and dinner free. 
around Just a ghost of Andy Warhol Acting like he owns a town And there ain't no dress of things Listening to no memory motel tune Not a living soul in sight tonight Racing across Long Island to head to Harlem. This is Rhiannon Giddens underneath the Harlem moon from the Factory Girl EP of 2015. Red Hot Chili Peppers on deck here on the heart. Creole babies walk along with rhythm in their thighs, rhythm in their hips and in their lips and in their eyes. Where the high brows find the kind of love
very classic chili peppers on WLIWFM under the bridge from the Blood Sugar Sex Magic record of 91. Going to 66 for this one live under my thumb. The Stones as well as Queen and David Bowie's Under Pressure leading you into the NPR news break at the top of the hour. I'm Gianna Volpe and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome and you're listening to The Heart Morning and Midnight Show featuring music from all decades and genres and interviews with folks from all walks of life, all because of you, the listener-supporter of Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
So slashed and torn. With Long Island local news, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. A drought watch has been issued for all of Long Island, along with 20 other counties in New York State. Last month was among the driest and hottest July on record across Long Island, with less than half of the typical amount of rain seen during that period. The Suffolk County Water Authority is asking residents of three East End towns to no longer water their lawns between midnight and 7 a.m. to preserve water for emergencies, including firefighting. Today, the Suffolk County Water Authority will hold a news conference with local first responders asking residents of Southampton, East Hampton, and South Hold, home to the county's largest water users, to no longer water their lawns between midnight and 7 when the systems are stressed and elevated water shortage tanks are working to full capacity. East End residents are also asked to not water their lawns more than every other day and to eliminate non-essential water use. Just a little note, we have been getting a little bit of rain uh, the the last um, around every other night. So, you know, uh, a, another reason why you could probably lean off uh, because water uh, the plants might be getting just what they need. Most homeowners water their lawns during overnight and early morning hours, leaving little water available for firefighting or other emergency services, such as hospitals. Uh, Jeffrey Sabo, chief executive of the Water Authority, said, uh, adding that the area has 1.2 million customers, will have SCWA employees out in the field reading meters to ensure people are complying. We want to stress the significance of it. Robert Brodsky and Nicholas Spangler report on Newsday.com that for now the irrigation recommendation is not mandatory. The Water Authority has 
the ability to impose $250 fines per violation, though authorities concede the amount is unlikely to curtail the behavior of multimillionaire East End homeowners. I have to believe people will do the right thing. That's Pat Halpin, chairman of Suffolk County Water Authority. He urges homeowners to monitor the water use of their neighbors, report violations to the Water Authority. They'll do the right thing. They understand what's at stake, which is health and safety. Speaking of things in short supply, food banks and pantries across Long Island are reporting record increases in the number of residents seeking food this year, which they attribute to rising inflation, uh, meaning that the food pantries are in short supply of food to give folks. Hopog-based nonprofit Long Island Cares said it has seen a 52% increase in clients at its five satellite food pantries from January to June over the same period last year. But even as organizations struggle to stock shelves with canned goods, pantries have been trying to include more fresh produce in their offerings. This summer, the labor shortage, high fuel prices, and poor weather in the spring have led to a slow start. Denise M. Bonilla reports on Newsday.com that Joanne Vitali, operations director of Rise Food Pantry in Riverhead, said the need for food has been so great People start lining up two hours before they open. Vitaly said she's seen a 20% increase in recent months in visits to the pantry, which serves 300 to 350 families monthly. When fresh produce is available, it quickly disappears, she said, with $1,000 worth of spinach recently gone in a day. Long Island Cares Incorporated and Island Harvest, a nonprofit based in Melville, have been sending Rise some produce, she said, but local farms have not been able to get them what they have in the past. So far this year, we haven't had much, Vitaly said. She added that local farmers informed her the growing season has not been good due to the cold, wet spring. Quote, some of the things that they were growing initially got destroyed. She said weather hasn't been the only problem, according to farmers. Our biggest bottleneck is the logistics. That's John Zilnicki, 34, of Zilnicki Farms in Riverhead. We're short-staffed as it is with farming, so getting produce to and from the food pantries is difficult. Supply chain issues for equipment means operations are one breakdown away from being held up, Zilnicki said, which is kind of a scary thing. Farmers said peak harvesting is just starting, and they hope to soon get more produce, such as corn and tomatoes, into the food pantries. It's a good relationship, said Ian Calder-Piedmont, 42, owner of Balsam Farms in Amagansett. We get to cover the cost of harvesting, and we get the food to people who need it. And finally, Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul holds a 14- to 16-point lead over Republican Lee Zeldin, building a lead based on New York City voters. The Democrats' statewide role enrollment advantage in women voters, according to two polls released this morning. Yancey Roy reports on Newsday.com that a Siena College survey found the incumbent 14 points ahead of Zeldin, the Long Island congressman from Shirley, while Emerson College put the difference at 16 points. These are the first polls released since Hochul and Zeldin won their respective primaries. The surveys said all the Democrats Uh, All the Democratic statewide candidates enjoyed notable leads over their opposition. Though Hochul's lead is in double digits, it's smaller than than leads Andrew Cuomo, the previous Democratic governor, generally held at this point of the election cycle. Cuomo typically held... typically led by more than 20 percentage points in August during his successful campaigns of 2010. 
2014 and 2018. The Siena survey was conducted July 24th through 28th among 806 likely New York state voters with a margin of error of plus or minus uh, minus 3.5 percentage points. Emerson said its poll conducted around the same time, July 26th through 28th, sampled 1,000 very likely and almost certain general election voters and has a margin of error of plus or minus three percentage points. Reading the weather in East Hampton in honor of the inimitable Florence Fabricant, joining us for the Tasty Tuesday segment underwritten by Southampton Arts Center, talk about the Stirring the Pot interview series with Guild Hall. Uh, speaking of which, I do want to mention that there's a children's um, a, a children's event going on tomorrow uh, off-site. It looks like uh, it's going to be at Simi at the Children's Museum of the East End between 1 and 2. It's Afro-Brazilian Funk and Dance for Kids uh, tomorrow afternoon. You can get tickets at guildhall.org if you're interested Looking at the weather, looks like a 20% chance of showers today before noon, patchy fog before 10, but hey, that has since expired since it's 10:13. Otherwise, partly sunny with a high near 83 degrees, southwest wind 6 to 9 miles per hour. Tonight, isolated shower and thunderstorms before 10 p.m. Also, uh, not important if you're listening to the replay, partly cloudy tonight with a low around 68 degrees, southwest wind. Five to seven miles per hour, becoming light and variable in the evening. Right now, it's 78 degrees. Getting back to the music from all decades and genres. And forgive me, folks, if you're not a fan, but I'm going to play a song from Encanto. In fact, it's my favorite one from the soundtrack. I think I've seen this movie 30 times every day for who knows how long it's been. And uh, I guess that would be the last month, right? 30 30 times. Uh, And I haven't gotten sick of it. If you haven't seen Encanto, whether or not you have kids, I I say take a watch. Uh, It's a uh, Disney movie from, oh, is it really from last year? This is Jessica Darrow's Surface Pressure. uh, Kaleo, I want more from the Surface Sounds record on deck. The Reverend Al Green. After that, I'm Gianna Volpe. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. This one for the strong and happy folks who might be crumbling inside. Check on your strong friends. Jessica Darrow on WLIWFM. I'm not nervous, I'm as tough as the crust of the earth is. I move mountains, I move churches, and I glow cause I know what my worth is. I don't ask how hard the work is, got a rough and destructible surface. Diamonds and platinum, I find I'm platinum, I take what I'm handed, I break what's demanded. But under the surface, I feel berserk as a tightrope walker in a three-ring circus. Under the surface, was Hercules ever like, yo, I don't wanna fight Cerberus? Under the surface, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can be of service. A floor crack, the straw in the stack, that breaks the camel's back, what breaks the camel's back? It's like a drip, drip, drip that'll never stop. 
ship doesn't swerve as it hurt how big the iceberg is under the surface. I think about my purpose. Can I somehow preserve this? Light up the dominoes, the light wind blows. You try to stop it, time for limit on and on it goes. But wait, if I could shake the crushing weight of expectations, would that free some room up for joy or relaxation? Gosh, I'm so glad to see that Encanto won the Oscar for uh, Best Animated Feature. I agree. Uh, this is Kaleo. I want more from the Surface Sounds record of 2020. I'm Gianna Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Till it's right, and you 
Oh my gosh, I am so excited about our next guest, the one and only Florence Fabricant joining us right here on the heart of the East End to talk about the Stirring the Pot series. If you don't know, Florence is a food and wine writer for the New York Times, writing the weekly front burner and off the menu columns as well as the pairing columns, which appear alongside Eric Asimov's monthly wine reviews. She's also the author of 12 cookbooks, the latest of which is the Ladies Village Improvement Society cookbook, Eating and Entertaining in East Hampton to celebrate the 125th anniversary of LVIS. Welcome to the program, Florence. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. It is an honor to have you. And before we dive into the Stirring the Pot series, please, let's start with your new cookbook. I know we had it on the de- at the... Uh, conference room table here at the studio. I went to grab it this morning and it's not there. I guess we're getting ready for the author's night series. So please, if you don't mind sharing how this cookbook came together. Well, uh, I have been an East Hampton resident for decades and uh, very uh, fond of what uh, and uh, the admirable work that the LVIS does, and periodically they do issue, you know, community cookbooks, uh, little spiral-bound ones. I have some going back many, many years, back into the 1920s, and the most recent one that they did for their 100th anniversary was a little more elaborate, but for the 125th, they wanted to do something more elaborate still. And they wanted a professional writer to um, uh, vet the recipes, organize the book, uh, and so forth. And they came to me, and I thought it was a great opportunity. Enter Florence. I'm really pleased with it, and I'm proud to have done it. Uh, I am so grateful to hear it. You know, talking about your East Hampton roots, can we talk a little bit about starting your, uh, your journalistic career at the East Hampton Star? Sure. Um, it was a little funny because I was kind of between jobs. My children were grade school age and started school full time. And um, I was looking for something to do. A graduate program I had uh, been accepted at lost its federal funding. Oh, no. And so that was out of the question. And I was going to be out in East Hampton for the summer as the pattern was. I stayed with the and they went to day camp. The husbands came out on the weekends. And I've always been interested in food. My parents were foodies, if you will, and I've always cooked and cared about ingredients. I learned that from my mother. And I would see people, and this is 1972, I would see people in the supermarket in the middle of summer buying cellophane-wrapped tomatoes that were uh, pink and heads of lettuce wrapped also in cellophane or plastic. And it would drive me nuts because I knew that if they went out of the supermarket and a few blocks away, somebody would have a car table on their front lawn selling homegrown tomatoes Right. that were so much better. And I decided I needed a megaphone. So I approached the editor of the East Hampton Star, which at the time did not have a food column, Long story short, I started writing a column called In Season, pointing up what was good to buy um, for the kitchen and the table with recipes. And within 
four months, I was approached by the New York Times, and they did an interview with me. And then at the end of the interview, the interviewer was Alden Whitman, uh, whose wife, Joan Whitman, was the editor of the living section at the time where the food stories went. And uh, at the end of the interview, I asked Alden, what now? And he said, well, you'll get a call from the Times, and the rest is history. I love that. Very, very organic, which which totally marries with uh, the the content, the heart of, of what you're you're talking about in the first place. Uh, just to sort of segue into stirring the pot, I feel like one uh, spot we can start is the second um, event going on off site for Guild Hall at Sagaponic Farm Distillery on August 21st with Marilee Foster and Matt Beamer. Do they also run uh, Marilee's farm stand? Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So that that I feel like that's a a good place to start. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about these yeah. events going on this month through Guildhall? Twelfth well, year, by the way. Well, it's unusual because when we started stirring the pot, it was a conversation with a food personality or chef, restaurateur, what have you. Um, <clears throat> the best one of which was with the late Anthony Bourdain, but. They were conversations on stage in Guildhall, in the theater, in the John Drew Theater. And that's the way it went until COVID. And with COVID, uh, starting in 2020, they were virtual. Mm -hmm. So I would interview somebody, and it would be in a Zoom presentation. We did that last uh, the year before last and last year. And then this year, with Guildhall closed, they needed an off-site version of stirring the pot and we scratched our heads and came up with three ideas of venues that we could uh, use to present a program about food to benefit Guild Hall. The first one that did occur to me was to do something with the new Roberta's in Montauk, which is a very hot restaurant as it is in in Bushwick and uh, that is coming up on sun on sunday right this weekend um i hope it's a success because it should be a lot of fun talking to the owner brandon hoy um about roberta's and what its claim to fame is how it evolved and so forth and then the foster distillery in sagaponic which is unusual on the east end um and we're delving into cocktail which is something that we've never done. We've done we've discussed wine in stirring the pot, but never done cocktails and distilling and and I think people would be interested to know what distilling amounts to and how it's being done in Sagaponic with local produce. Then finally, uh Eric Repair at Hayground School will demonstrate his grandma's ratatouille and his new his wonderful new book called Vegetable Simple. And that should be a lot of fun with food to sample. You know, I I think that that one excites me the most, just knowing Hayground School's dedication to teaching kids about uh, eating in season, for example, growing their own food uh, and preparing their own food. I think it's phenomenal what they do there. Uh, But I think it's also really interesting that uh, the adaptations over the past few years through the pandemic 
and now with Guildhall being closed uh, through the renovation period, has sort of brought stirring the pot uh, to a new level, really, bringing you, Florence, out into the field and and on site to these places uh, like the Montauk outpost of Roberta's and doing a mozzarella-making demonstration, bringing the people to these places. Yes, but uh, fingers crossed that this is what people are going to want to do. And I, it suggests that going forward, once the theater at Guildhall is renovated, uh, the renovation might make it possible to do much more interactive kind of presentations, not just a conversation, but perhaps even a cooking demonstration of some sort right. um, would be a possibility. And uh, so that's sort of on the back burner going forward. Well, I hope that it's possible. I know that you're, that's what you're going to be doing. For example, this this weekend, you're going to be doing that mozzarella-making demonstration. You're going to be talking a bit about the distilling process on the 21st at Sagaponic Farm Distillery. And, of course, the final one, you mentioned a ratatouille-making demo. Um, and we're looking forward. Hopefully, we can get him on here uh, for our um, book segment to talk about Vegetable Simple and you, uh, Florence, we're looking forward to seeing you in less than two weeks here over at Author's Night to talk a little bit more about your cookbook. Before I let you go, is there anything that we haven't discussed that you want to make sure that folks know either about the Stirring the Pot series, uh, your new book, or, geez, anything else that you want to say? Well, I mean, they can read what I have to sprout about every week. In the New York Times on Wednesdays or online, they start, uh, the columns appear on Mondays and Tuesdays online, and they can find them there. And uh, we haven't made an exact count, but I know there are probably at least 2,000 of my recipes on the New York Times cooking website for people to uh, consult when they want to know what to do with a surfite of zucchini, for example, or how to cook a piece of weak fish, um, it's there. Very honored to have spoken with you this morning, Florence Fabricant, uh, for the Tasty Tuesday segment underwritten by Southampton Arts Center. Folks who want to see Florence in the flesh can go to guildhall.org and sign up for one of the three off-site events going on this month. I'm Gianna Volpe. That's Florence Fabricant, and these are the Bee Gees More Than a Woman here on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
sitting here starstruck in the WLIWFM studio. Celebrities, musicians, actors, whatever. It's journalists that get me weak in the knees uh, from 77 to 88. From the BGs to the Statler brothers. From more than a woman to more than a name on a wall. As she walked up to the wall, in her hand she held some flowers. As her tears began to fall, and she took out a pen and paper as to trace her memory. She looked up to heaven, and the words she said were these. She said, Lord, my boy was special, and he meant so much to me. And though I'd love to see him just one more time to see. not coming home to me. She said, Lord, my boy was special, and he meant so much to me. And though I'd love to see him, but I know it just can't be. So I thank you for my memory and the moments to recall. Eighteen minutes before the NPR news break and the end of this edition of The Heart. Big thanks to our guests this morning, Kylie Ogburn and Florence Fabricant, as well as our underwriters, Peconic Landing and Southampton Arts Center, leading you into the NPR news break uh, with, let's see what we got, Chris Stapleton, Rob Europe, 3LW, Billy Holiday and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Let's see what we've got room for. Moving from the Statler Brothers, more than a name on a wall, with, uh, following it up with more of you from Chris Stapleton's Traveler record. And then uh, Long Island's own Rob Europe, more time for you from The Fear, record of 2017, 3LW's No More Baby I'm a Do-Ray, on WLIWFM. Sound of your sweet. 
Shaking up the playlist in the final 10 here. Moving up Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Billy Holiday on deck after that. Leading you into the NPR news break with 3LW. If we have the time, I'm Gianna Volpe. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to WLIWFM, Long Island's only NPR radio station.
I'm getting a little tired of you, broken promises, promises Looking at your pages, seeing different numbers and numbers Call you when you're stuck, you hanging with the fellas, the fellas Hanging with my girls, you always getting jealous and jealous I was with you when you didn't have no dollars, no dollars Hanging at the crib, chilling with your mama, your mama Never funny, you never 